Welcome to Reconvene 2022 Emerging Talent Talks, brought to you by our partner, Gran Centenario Cristalino Tequila. I'm Moses Kagan. The following conversation is with Mario Brown and Brian Albers of Affordable Upstate. So for our third and final Emerging Talent Talk, I'm going to invite out uh, uh, some guys who are maybe unusually for this crowd um, doing a business model that is, uh, I mean, for lack of a better word, like I guess ESG. I mean, it, it, it seems to me that it is genuinely like un, uh, 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 inarguably socially net positive, which some, with, with my deals, like sometimes I question that. Uh, what they're doing is, in, in my opinion, uh, certainly fits the bill. So I'm gonna uh, invite out Mario Brown and Brian Albers of Affordable Upstate. All right, so uh, uh, you guys probably just heard that back backstage there. Um, I'm already talking to you up uh, as what you're doing, what you're doing being socially useful. Um, so let's 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 quickly tell everyone what it is exactly that you're doing, and then we'll go back and cycle back through how you, how you got here. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Moses. This is a uh, awesome crowd that we've had, and uh, just really enjoyed meeting so everybody here. Um, so what we do is we're basic value add guys and doing. Uh, C-class, B-class, multifamily housing. Um, but what we've been able to figure out is we can layer on some affordability incentives that uh, make the asset a lot you know, more attractive. So the biggest thing we've learned is figuring out how to get rid of the property taxes. In the state of South Carolina, where we live, uh, if you have uh, the property is managed by an affordable housing nonprofit corporation, which is a particular type of 501c3, and we put a self-covenant on our rents, um, restricting them at a certain level, then we can apply through the uh, South Carolina Department of Revenue and they'll grant us a uh, property tax abatement by right. So for those who, I mean, whatever, we're all real estate people here, but just to be very clear, you're removing your largest OPEX item. 20 to 30%. Okay. And, and that allow, and in an exchange, what you're doing is you're, you're voluntarily limiting the, the, the rents on the properties. That's correct. Okay. Um, so that's what you're doing. Let's talk about like, how'd you get here? Like what, what, how, how, how did you come to start addressing this opportunity? In 2017, uh, Brian and I met in a program called Leadership Greenville. Uh, several chambers have it, uh, where they come in and they take a group of young people and they, they, they talk to you about issues that are facing the city. Uh, we both got lit up over the affordable housing day that we had. At the time, I believe our city was quoting 2,500 units that were, were needed, um, but what we heard was an elastic demand. If we could figure out the formula uh, in terms of how to deliver it, back then it was through capital improvements, deferred maintenance, and what have you, uh, that it would rent. So our average days on market is two, uh, because you know, we, you know it, there's, there's, there's an elastic demand within that. Uh, so you, the, so the city was basically saying, look, um, we know that there is a ton of demand for affordable housing, and we are looking for someone to come in and help us solve that problem. Correct. And 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 through your uh, experience at the Chamber of Commerce, you th this problem becomes clear to you. hundred okay. percent. And so, how did you go about addressing it? Like, what did you do first? Uh, we bootstrapped, right? So I flipped a few houses up to date, and uh, uh, as Brian and I kind of talked about the idea, we knew we needed to go prove concept. So we went where anyone goes, Craigslist, right? Um, <laughs> so, but back then in 17, we, so we found our first 36 unit on Craigslist, actually. Um, 
we amazing. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, we haven't found a deal since, but but that's <laughs> but 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 that said, we used home equity lines of credit. We used like low and no money down strategies to really get into that first deal to develop the operational. Uh, ability. I mean, we messed a lot of things up, but we learned how to manage the manager, learned how to turn units. Um, so we did that deal, and the, the, the other place that deals kind of go to die, LoopNet, right? <laughs> um, so we found our next deal on LoopNet, but after kind of working through those first deals, we felt like we had something that uh, we could go sell. So these ones, so, so even from this, this, these very first two deals, you're already doing the affordability covenants and stripping the property taxes out? No, okay. No. So this, these ones you just did kind of like in a traditional, we're gonna buy these things, we're gonna fix, fix them up a little bit, raise the rents, the way that all of us, most of us here, most of us here operate. Okay, so um, what, what flipped the switch on doing the affordability? Yeah, so we were under contract for a 52 unit deal in Greenville uh, when COVID hit. And all of a sudden, the debt market was locking up. We couldn't do inspections. So we got a 90-day extension on the deal we're under contract for. And we got introduced to a, a nonprofit that the city of Greenville had set up, whose mission was to um, preserve and expand affordable housing. And so they introduced us to some different incentives, like this property tax. So they explained to you that this, this opportunity exists. Yeah, in fact, we partnered with the city and bought that property with them. Uh, do they provide capital? Mm -hmm. Really? Yep. Uh, equity, debt, both? Uh, equity. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So you agree. You're like, look, we, we, we want to close this deal. It's a tough time to get anything done right now. This affordability incentive seems amazing. You guys will give us the equity. We'll put it on and we'll make it happen. Yeah, it was a scary time, you know, uh, so it, it de-risked it to us. Okay. What happens next? Uh, after that, we just started, you know, we were buying these 30, 50 unit type deals because they were you know, mom, too, too big for mom and pops, too small for institutions, and we just kept buying them. And we built a reputation with local brokers, so deal flow was really starting to come to so us. So, let, yeah, let's, let's talk about, so, so what are the financial, I mean, let's talk, back then, what are the, so this is like 2020, 2021, so actually not, not that long ago. Um, what do the financial characteristics look like? In other words, once you, do you think about it on a levered basis, on an unlevered basis? Like, what, what, what are you saying to investors? We're going to rip this property tax out, which is obviously going to help the NOI a lot. What, are you thinking about it on a cap rate basis at that point? Yeah, we are. Um, but it just allows the, you know, your, un, un, your yield on cost to go up by, you know, one, 200 basis points. So, uh, you know, if we sell the property, it's non-transferable in terms of the, the tax abatement. So we're incentivized to be long-term holders because we feel like uh, the property's worth more to us than the next buyer. So you're, you, you, you raise the capital, this is gonna be a yield play, we're gonna go in, but unlike most uh, operators, you're not gonna go in and suddenly raise the rent. You're gonna go in, you're gonna fix things up maybe a little bit, but really the value creation is just pulling out that, pulling out the property taxes. Well, uh, we are actually going to go in and address deferred maintenance and invest the capital to make the property uh, really, in our minds, acceptable. So we are preserving affordable housing in that way. And you can look at us as value-add guys. We're value-add guys that have leaned fully into kind of the natural customer that exists within 1970s and 1980s product. Wow, their rent stabilized is within the 60 to 80% average median income band that the government's laid out. All right, what incentives are available for that? 
So we're, we're still running that core play. Um, we're still spinning 12.5 to 15.5 in unit turns. We have a vertically integrated construction company because you kind of need that when you're buying old product. Right. Um, but um, by leaning into the niche, we've kind of found the incentives and really just you know, uh, created space for us to give them lower increases. Right, okay. Um, and so as you're, you're starting to work this out. And, uh, and, and tell me now where, like the city didn't give you all the equity for all these subsequent deals. So where did, where did, it, where did how did you start to raise the money? Yeah, we started with friends and family. Um, I was working at Raymond James and they wouldn't let me raise capital, so I had to leave them in 2018. Um, so we were raising money 25 to 250K at a time. Um, but then we met some super high net worth people who we've done some more JV partnerships with uh, lately. Okay, so it, it, and is that the way that you see the business evolving going forward to continue doing more of these um, programmatic joint ventures or, or do you think you'll go back to syndicating or what do you, how does it look going forward? Yeah, we're trying to figure that out um, because we want to continue to own and manage these properties for the long term um, just in order to make our community a, a better place uh, and just be able to preserve that affordability. So, you know, do we start a fund that could buy our existing portfolio do we continue to syndicate? Uh, it's a, a question we have. And you've, and you've obviously, you, you said just a moment ago that you vertically integrated the, con the construction. Currently outsourcing the management though, right? We are, painfully so. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, with, with those 30, 40, 50 unit complexes that we really cut our teeth on, you know, they're too small for institutions, too small for an on-site manager. So we have a third of our portfolio that's you know uh, managed by you know it's a scattered site model. Um, they're in our backyard. We've got some you know we've got the benefit of proximity, um, but you know th those are still questions that we have. Um, as of late, we've started to buy larger assets. Last month, we closed a 360-unit complex, which is our largest. Um, with a $850,000 tax bill to get rid of. So, uh, <laughs> um, so we've leaned into the model fully in terms of, of size, but you know, we, we, wanna, we wanna hold on because we know if we sell it, you know, the next guy who doesn't have the benefit of this model um, is left to do what the market commands, which is- Which is raise the rents. Correct. So um, many of us, like uh, uh, in my business right now, I'm not constrained by capital, but I am entirely constrained by deals. Like there's just nothing that, comes close to making sense. I gather that that is not the case with you guys right now. Yeah, we get a ton of deal flow, but we just don't have enough capital to buy it. And by the nature of our model, we can pay a market price and it still makes sense and deliver you know, good returns. So uh, to, to kind of like move to, towards like sort of the back part of this conversation in terms of what you're looking for, this seems like a, uh, a situation where we're just more capital is obviously, like we're all real estate people, more capital is always good. But so, it's, so more capital helps. In terms of, um, you, you mentioned before the possibility of restructuring it as a fund. Um, I mentioned backstage, like maybe it, maybe it should be a read. Like do, you, um, do, do either of you, have, have you spent time thinking about that structuring? Could you use help thinking about that structuring? A hundred percent. We know what we do have. We've got 1970s and 1980s uh, C plus B minus uh, assets, duplex garden style that we've we've aggregated. Uh, but what, what we haven't really thought through is like, hey, what's upstream? How do we maintain the affordability of these assets? You know, what, what's the most efficient model? Are there ESG dollars? Are there social impact dollars that uh, want? 
to impact community through this vehicle. Uh, but at this time, like we need help thinking through it, like who's done it and what are best practices and how do we uh, leverage this business that we've built? Well, it's, a, it's an exciting thing that you guys have done. I mean, in a, in a, in a few short years, uh, I, t remind us, remind me again, size of the portfolio at this point? Uh, 1,500 units. 1,500 units from, from a standing start like four years ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. Just an incredible, uh, incredible journey that you guys are on and uh, one that seems like it's going to continue. Thank you. Um, I want to thank you both for coming up and, and, and talking to us. Um, and, uh, and on behalf of our friends at uh, Grand Centenario, I want to give you each a bottle of tequila. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thank you guys.